verse 26 and through verse 38, Jesus is on trial. And um, the moment that the Bible speaks about when it says, for this reason, the Son of God was brought into the world. He's at that moment. This is that moment. And he's standing before the Roman governor, Pilate. And Pilate is questioning Jesus. And Jesus replies to Pilate and says, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom's not from here. So then Pilate says to Jesus, then you are a king, with a kind of a question mark and an exclamation point. Ah, you are a king. Pilate's almost happy to hear that admission. So he responds back, you are a king. And Jesus answered Pilate and said, you say it. Or it would be a way of saying, you've said it. I am a king. You've spoken correctly. And so Jesus says, you have said it. You speak it correctly. I am a king. Certainly I am a king. And for this reason I was born and for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. I want you to focus on that. Jesus said, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, who belongs to the truth, hears and listens to my voice. Upon hearing this, Pilate has one thing to say back to Jesus. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? Well, here we are. October 17th in the year 2021. Some of us didn't think we were even going to see this year. Um, and America has pulled the pin out of the hand grenade. And I hope that we haven't tossed it away yet. And I say that sincerely. When I was a kid and I thought about the 21st century and maybe the year 2020 something, and I, uh, I envisioned the Jetsons. I figured that we would be, you know, scooting around in these sky cars and, you know, we would have all of that advanced technology. But here we are. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's different. It's a lot different than what we imagine. And then when I became a Christian, later, and still kind of in my youth, but later on as I hit early adulthood, and I envisioned the 21st century, I envisioned an apocalyptic world. When I looked ahead, I figured, surely we're not going to last that long, and the the world is going to go into chaos and the Antichrist is going to rise. And boy, I'll tell you, you know, you, you couldn't go to a Christian bookstore. I don't know how many of you remember those. But uh, Christian bookstores were just filled with these books that guys were writing about the end times and the Antichrist. And everybody was concerned about what the signs are going to be and where's America going to be in all of this. But here we are. We're here. And 
the apocalyptic seeds that we have been sowing for about the past 50 years, half a century or so, have broken ground and they are springing up and they're producing the fruit of chaos. We're here. But finally, many people are starting to wake up. Many people are beginning to realize that those books about the Antichrist and the books about the end time and the, the, the times of great subterfuge and the times of great betrayal, when Jesus said that parents would be betrayed by their children and vice versa, and there would be a time of conflict and hate and struggle, and people are beginning to wake up and realize that can is not down the road. It's here. It's now. We are entering in. We have stepped across. We have come through the door. We have stepped into those times. And how long they're going to last, how all this plays out, I don't know. But I know, I know that even though it doesn't look like what we in our fantasies imagined, we are here. And people are beginning to wake up and realize where we are. But yet, even more people are diving deep into the deep sleep of deception. And either don't want to see or refuse to see where we are at. So there's a great wakening, and then there's a fake waking they call being woke, which is just the deep dive into the sleep of deception. And you know what? There's conflict in the air. There's conflict in the air, such as in my brief almost 70 years, I can say I don't remember a time, and I lived through the 60s. So I know what conflict is like and conflict being in the air. But there is a kind of dense conflict, a spirit of conflict and war in the air as all of the moral and political and religious skirmishes of the past 100 years are now consolidating together in the great war against the truth. Everything you see going on today is part of the battle of the kingdom of darkness against the truth of God. Some of you may remember that at the end of 2019, I preached a message called The Two Streams. In around October, November that year, I was in the spirit as I was praying, and I, the Lord gave me a vision. And I preached that vision on December the 15th, 2019. The vision was called The Two Streams. And I just briefly want to tell you, just kind of refreshing your memory, what that vision was because the Lord, as I was laying here in this sanctuary before God and praying, and I got caught up in the Spirit, I saw this vision and the Lord said, this is what is starting to happen now and is about to quickly unfold. So I knew that what I was seeing had already begun and was going to quickly accelerate. I saw a great river moving through the earth. That river was the church of Jesus Christ. And it was powerful and it was moving and it had been moving down for the past 2,000 years through the nations of the world. But as I watched the river, in the middle of the river, a kind of an impediment, if you will, a structure, begin to emerge and you could see the waves sort of uh, moving around it as the river flowed and then it, it broke the surface and it was a rock. 
And that rock began to rise until it was a great rock and a great stone, and it became so large that it split the river in two. And the main part of the river moved, continued to move ahead, but the part that was split off, split off in to the left. And it went left like it was carving a new stream out into the wilderness where it eventually was absorbed by the desert of the wilderness and it disappeared. And this was the two streams. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, that rock you saw is the rock of division that will produce the great falling away that's prophesied in the book of Thessalonians. Know that when Paul writes and says that the Antichrist cannot arise until first there is a falling away from the church, from the truth among the church. This is not a falling away in the American university system or in politics. It is a falling away in the body of Christ. And I knew then that I was seeing a symbol of that falling away. And the Lord was warning, saying, that falling away has already begun. That rock, that stone of division is rising, and it's about to accelerate. Little did I know... Little did I know that the um, COVID-19 virus had already been hatched in China and was in the process of being carried across the face of the earth. Nobody knew in December, out in the public, of 2019 that 2020 was around the corner. One of the, the, the worst year that I'd seen worse than 1968, those of you that lived through 1968, uh, globally the worst year that we have seen any of us in our lifetime. And that year was just weeks away. And once it began to unfold, it rapidly unfolded. And it was like Satan just vomited up across the face of the earth. An unbelievable, amazing, volume of lies and deception and violence and anger. Over 40 American cities erupted that year into chaos as, as um, insurgent factions attacked our cities, burning them to the ground, attacking and killing police officers and wounding them, attacking innocent civilians, people going mad and just simply losing their minds. Everything that Jesus prophesied about parents turning against their uh, uh, children against their parents and people hating one another without a cause was playing out every single day, 24 hours a day, through our media system. And all of this was happening because the two the the, the stream of the church was being ripped in half. And I, I'm going to just read a, a paragraph or two of what I said taken directly out of that message. It'll save me time. So this is from the two streams back in December 15th, 2019. This emerging obstruction is made up of all the lusts, deceptions, and lies of the world that capture and divert Christians' lives away from the truth of God's word. It's a rising to become the great rock of division that will produce the great falling away and split the river into two streams. 
The left stream will divert out into the wilderness and evaporate, listen, evaporate into the world. What's going to happen to all those millions of Christians that are becoming offended at the truth and are going out into the world that seem to be rising up and carrying the new banner of Christianity, seem to be the new church. But what I saw was that they don't survive. They evaporate and are absorbed into the world. They, I'm going to continue with the quote. They are losing their appetite for the truth. And their increasing diet on the things of the world is killing their faith. As they increasingly convert to the sinful trends of society, they're becoming bored with the Bible and ashamed of the truth they were once a part of. But the world will love them and embrace them. Wow. So that was quite a message. And that was quite a, a prophetic forecast. And now I'm looking back nearly two years later. And I'm saying, that rock has matured. It has risen. The, the division has come and the, the absorbing into the world of the left church is taking place. And Paul wrote also in the scriptures and warned about this day, and exactly what I just said to you, and I'm going to read a couple of his quotes. One is out of 2 Timothy 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. In other words, speak your truth. I'll speak my truth. You speak your truth. The Oprah Winfrey truth. So they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears wanting to hear. And they will reject the truth. And I emphasize the word the indicating that there is not another. It is the truth. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Paul, 2 Timothy 4. Paul also in 2 Thessalonians 2 says, Antichrist will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. The left church going out into the world. Because... Those, um, the Antichrist will use every kind of evil deception uh, to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Therefore, God sends them, listen, God sends them a strong delusion so they may believe what is false. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. There's the contrast. They will be condemned because they enjoy evil. They enjoy having multiple, um, having multiple genders. They enjoy hating and segregating the population into different groups and preferring one over another. They enjoy they enjoy the freedom, the sense of freedom they get out of the carnal things that they are being taught from, from uh, 
uh, kindergarten to their universities. They enjoy it rather than believing the truth. They are reveling in what they want. They create their own truth based on their own flesh and what their own desires want. So, when churches who are called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world abandon the truth, then truth falls in the streets of society. Isaiah prophesied, we've quoted it many times here in Isaiah 59 verse 14, and judgment is turned away backwards. Justice stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity, straightforwardness, uprightness, cannot enter. When does that happen, and what causes it? What causes it is when the light and the salt of the earth becomes divided and abandons the truth. When the church does not honor the truth as being the most important treasure and stewardship that it has been given. Instead, they look at people. They look at the resources of money and of people. They look at political position. They look at, um, at uh, their own power, the power of their own existence, and they treasure that. All of that robs them from the truth, and they begin to create truths that appeal to the people that they are worshiping. They become humanistic and they're worshiping man and they're worshiping people. When that happens in the church, it is impossible for truth to survive in society. Why? Because Psalm 11.3 says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The church is the foundation of the truth. Listen, to what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Paul says, I am writing these things to you, and I'm writing them to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to behave themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So Paul says that the church is the pillar, what holds up and, and keeps upright the truth in society. That's the job of the church. And so when we back away from the church, what happens to, when we back away from the truth, what happens to the truth in society? It falls over. Isaiah and Paul got together, though they were hundreds of years apart. And Isaiah said, what Brother Paul's talking about, when it happens, truth will fall in the street. And when that happens, when truth is fallen, judgment will be turned backwards. I don't know in my lifetime where I, when I have seen more federal judges and more appellate judges hand down the most awful, godless decisions. It's unbelievable. It is a shame. It really is. It is something that America should hang its head in shame over what we're allowing our judges to do with the authority that they have been given and the way that they abuse the law and give preferential treatment to the wicked. So the scripture says judgment is turned backwards and justice stands afar off when truth is fallen in the streets. Uprightness and straightforwardness cannot enter. Have you noticed an honest, straightforward, rational explanation 
has no place in the, in the debate and dialogue. Today, the globalists, the totalitarians, the people soon to be known as the people of the Antichrist, there is no room for a straightforward answer in their debates and their dialogue. I mean, they just won't shut up about, we need to dialogue, we need to talk. But all the talk is based on angles and shadows and shady meanings. Anything but the straightforward truth. God created the human race. Male and female created he them. The end. And when a baby is born, and the baby comes out of the mother's womb, and whoever delivers the baby hands the baby to the, to the nurse, and the nurse begins to clean the baby and deal with the umbilical cord, they take that first look at the baby, and they've got one of two, one of two observations to make. And they don't decide what they see. What is informs them. They write on a piece of paper, male or female. Amen. And let me tell you, that is never going to change. No matter how insane, no matter how sick and depraved the teachers are in the United States of America who are polluting and perverting and abusing your children every day in those schools, they'll never change the fact that what comes out of that womb is what it is. And so no matter how nutty and crazy all of this is, you, can't, you, you cannot introduce a straightforward answer in these debates. They will absolutely, well, they'll have you drug out. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of truth falling in the streets. Let me give you an example of justice that is being withheld and pushed backwards and straightforwardness and uprightness cannot enter. In May of this past year, in the Loudoun County school system, right outside of Washington, D.C., in the wealthy bedroom community of Loudoun County, outside D.C., where all the erudites and all the smart people live, they have a school board that sets policy and determines the curriculums that are taught in that school. And they're radical, radical leftists, um, uh, globalists. And in their infinite wisdom, they decided that they were going to impose a transgender bathroom policy on their school system. So every school in that uh, district, in that, that Loudoun County district, would, was ordered to now go transgender. Well, in May of last year, a young girl, 15 years old, was attacked, raped twice, sodomized twice in her own bathroom by a boy wearing a skirt. He was arrested, and among the multiple charges, he was charged with two counts of sodomy. That girl's father sought to get an explanation for why his daughter could no longer go to school and be considered safe. And he went to a meeting they held in June. And that school board has had lots of controversial meetings. They've tried to push critical race theory. And they've, every time parents have gone in there en masse to object, they've been shut down and kicked out. 
And that father went in angry. Would you be angry about the fact that your daughter was sodomized twice in the girl's bathroom by a boy wearing a skirt? But see, the boy wearing the skirt is the new transgender symbol, so he is beyond. You can't touch him. You can't do wrong. By the way, if there's any criminals in the audience this morning, a little tip for you. If you want to get away with it, that's right. Just wear the uniform of the transgender. You can just about get away with anything because you are the new elevated, special, preferred, protected class. There are protected classes. When I was a boy growing up in this country, we learned about the caste system in India. Well, welcome to the American caste system. We have replaced one form of racism with a worse form of racism. And so this man, when he got up and he was angry, and he said that his daughter, and they have the police records that show that this young man was arrested and charged with two counts of sodomy and other charges. When he got up to say it, representatives from the gay, uh, um, one of the big gay liberation movements, I forgot which one it was, challenged him and a shouting match ensued. And the head of the school board, the superintendent, got up and dismissed the whole thing and said, that never happened. Told the man it was a lie, it never happened. And then had the police come, and there was a big wrestling match, and they ripped his clothes up, they wrestled him to the ground, they cuffed him, and they drug him out. That boy was never put out of school. That rape took place in May. The summer happened, and when the school started again, they simply moved him to another school in the same district where he raped another girl in October. Just a few weeks ago, he struck again. So the father's arrested and drug out in handcuffs. This is America's new truth. This is Oprah Winfrey's truth. You speak your truth and I'll speak my truth. I hope you don't mind a preacher getting up and telling it plain. But, you know, if you don't like it, you've got options. But I'm not going to stop because... We are in the midst of the falling away. And preachers need to pull their head out of the sand and start telling the people where they're at. Amen. And we need to know how to respond. All of this is a battle against the truth. And the way to win this battle is to become exactly what the Holy Spirit spoke through many of you moments before I got up to preach. Be faithful to the truth. Hear the word and be faithful to it. But Psalm 11.3 is right. If the foundations are broken up, what can the righteous do? When truth is fallen in the street, the foundation is the church. The church is the foundation for the truth. The church is not the truth because we're imperfect, but we are the stewards of the truth. That's what the Bible teaches we are called to be the pillars and the foundation holding up the truth. When we fall down on the job, the truth is not respected. Amen. And it has nowhere to go. Let's go back to Pilate's question. What is truth? I think that's a brilliant question. It's certainly a question for today, and it's a fair question. 
Jesus says, I have come to testify to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth loves the truth. Here's my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? He just dismissed the whole thing. The whole topic of the idea that there is the truth was something that Pilate just didn't buy into. I don't believe in the truth. Here are two popular definitions of truth. These are the two growing definitions of truth today. These are the, these are the definitions of truth that your children are being taught in school. Unless you happen to have an exceptional teacher or they have to have, or you're like the Trimbles and you've taken the responsibility to teach your own children. Praise the Lord. But the fact of the matter is that there are two, two concepts of what truth is that are very popular today. They're not going to go away. They are what compete against the truth. The first one is the perspective of an individual's experience and opinion. The perspective of an individual's experience and opinion. In other words, your truth and your truth and my truth. And you get to speak your truth and I get to speak my truth and I get to follow my truth, you follow your truth. My experience informs my truth, my opinions, me. I can't change one hair on my head, Jesus said. I can't turn one hair on my head through thinking. But here I am. I am going to become the arbiter of truth. I am the center of my universe. I am God in my life. And I determine what the truth is. So that's the first definition of truth. And it is becoming, it is rapidly becoming the popular definition of truth for choice. Teachers are teaching your kids. That's what truth is. It's what you say you are. It's what you want to believe. That's your truth. And you know what? You should never be excluded from participation in anything because of your truth. You should be respected with your truth and included in any level of society or any involvement. The second definition is just as bad, and it's just as subversive, and here it is. The collective judgment of cultural consensus. The collective judgment of cultural consensus. In other words, mob rule. That's a fancy way of saying the mob rules. At the moment, when the mob is in the heat of their agreement, and we need to get this individual, and we need to burn them at the stake. That's tr the truth. That person deserves to be burned at the stake because of the collective judgment of cultural consensus. Well, there is a mob today of insanity and a mob of sin, and they are rewriting America's truth. They are rewriting the foundation of the Constitution. No wonder they don't want the Constitution. No wonder it means nothing to them anymore. And it's antiquated because the thing that was the foundation of the Constitution was the fact that there is the truth. And they saw freedom in the truth. And out of it, they forged our nation's order and uh, our document, our organizing document. The collective truth is spoken all the time. You hear it. You hear it everywhere you go. America's evil. 
That's a collective truth. Everybody today, and really it's not true, everybody today doesn't believe America is evil, but everybody who's anybody, everybody who deserves to be in front of the camera, if you don't believe America is evil, then you're an idiot, you're a troglodyte, and you don't deserve to be in front of the camera. Matter of fact, you should be locked away somewhere. But anybody who's anybody, if CNN will interview you, then you're part of the collective truth. And if you say America's evil, then America's evil. Or there are many genders. That's, that is an example of collective judgment of cultural consensus. The world that you and I were born into didn't believe there were many genders. We would have been laughed at, and our mother would have probably thumped us in the back of the head for saying stupid stuff like that. But today, it's taken seriously. Our scientists... Our politicians, our president, believe that, and I don't know if they've actually settled on a number. I think it changes every week. Uh, I, I think it's, I've heard 40, 50, 60. It's growing all the time. It's amazing. Those are examples of collective truth, collective cultural consensus. There are many genders. The lie has become the truth. Are you listening to me? These popular definitions of truth are corrupt because they're limited to the trending state and desires of the fallen world. They don't come from eternity. They don't come from reality. They come from the small experiences of one or a collection of people set in time and space under particular conditions. So those things come out and they're supposed to be followed and respected, and you're supposed to not be able to speak against them and call them stupid when they are stupid or ignorant or dangerous. But they have come out of a point in time from one or a collection of people who aren't even going to be here a hundred years from now to maintain those things. That is not a truth. That's a vapor. It's an opinion. Are you listening? For the truth to be real, it must flow from reality. Truth must have its foundation in reality. Otherwise, it's not a real truth. Let me give you... Um, I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to give you a definition for the truth because I see some pens going. Um, but, but just want you to grab that thought. For truth to be real, it must flow from reality. Listen, experience does not define the truth. Think about that for a minute. When I was a crazy kid taking drugs, I had experiences. And I could... I could articulate, and I did get together with my friends and articulate those experiences, but your experiences do not define the truth. If I thought I was a giraffe and could get up in that tree and eat that fruit, and if I broke, fell down and broke my arm, is it true that I was a giraffe? No, it was just my experience. I thought I was a giraffe. The truth judges experience. Real truth judges experience, not experience defining the truth. 
And the truth, the real truth, answers all questions. You know it's the real truth when it answers everything. You cannot produce a question, a quandary, a problem in life that the real truth will not have an answer because the real truth is reality, is reality. So now here's a real definition of the truth. You ready for it? The reality of God, His purpose, and creation. The truth could be defined as the reality of God. Try to get your arms around that. Just your mind around the reality of God. Of His purpose and of His creation. That answers everything. Then truth is not just stagnant or static thoughts, but it is living, breathing judgment. It has purpose. Not just facts about creation, but the purpose of creation. Therefore, the truth has a moral base to it. You can be right and you can be wrong based on the truth. Psalm 31 verse 5 says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. That's who we ought to be putting our life in the hand of, the God of truth. This truth, the reality of God is purpose and creation. The truth is light. The Bible calls the truth light. The truth is light. It illuminates, it uplifts, it exposes lies, and it corrects errors. Why? Because it is the truth. It is all-encompassing. The truth is eternal and there's nothing beyond it. So there isn't and there is no room for another opinion. The truth is what it is. When Moses said, "Who are you, God?" so that I can say to Pharaoh, "Who sent me?" He said, "I am that I am." You see you can't find anything beyond that. I am that I am. Well, the I am gets to say what is. Amen. The truth is the I am saying what is. And so Real truth is light. It illuminates, it uplifts, it exposes lies. It's the only thing that can expose lies, and it corrects error. The truth not only does it have to accept error, it can't accept error. It would not be the truth. The truth is also, besides being light, the truth is moral. I was going to put down the truth is love, and I think that that that's probably appropriate, but if you put love in there, people misunderstand and they get that, that modern Oprah definition of what love is instead of Jesus' definition of love, which is agape. But the truth is moral. It's moral. It inspires. It guides. It loves. The truth redeems and the truth judges. And that's why that's why when truth is fallen in the street, the righteous become a prey. Judgment ends, and the wicked rule. The truth is more than one's experience and perspective. It's the purpose for reality. So when Jesus says to Pilate that he came to testify of the truth, or testify to the truth, he was in effect saying, if I could restructure the words of Jesus' mouth and, and be true to Scripture, I would say that if, if I were to elaborate his answer, 
I would have Jesus saying to Pilate, I am the truth manifested in its highest form, revealing the Father's purpose, His love, His grace, and judgment in perfect balance. Why did Jesus come into the world? Everyone says, usually grabs a piece or a portion of the reality of why Jesus came. Jesus came because he loves us. True. Jesus came to save us. True. Jesus came to search and find that which was lost. True. Jesus came to correct error. True. But the ultimate reason Jesus came, came out of his mouth, he himself, I have come into the world to testify of the truth. Jesus felt that the truth was so important to mankind, there could be no salvation without it. If you circumvent the truth, you cannot be saved. The truth is necessary, and Jesus said, I am the truth, John 14, 6. I am the truth. He said to Pilate, I came to testify of the, of the truth. In fact, it's not me talking about the truth. If you watch me, the truth is speaking every time you see me move, every time you see me act. Everything I say is the truth in action. So that the truth is not a set of laws. That's why the law of Moses failed, because it was a two-dimensional clipboard with rules and regulations left to people to apply. You see, the truth is three-dimensional. It's eternal. It's a person. The truth is able, because of its love and its grace, to weigh every situation and produce perfect judgments. The Pharisees, who were the legalists of, quote, the truth, thought Jesus was completely wrong because he forgave the prostitute. Or he let his disciples pick wheat on the Sabbath day. They're breaking the law. You see, they didn't know the truth. The truth is Jesus. And you know what? We have to come to him because you cannot take this Bible. You cannot, and this is what the left church, this is what the church that's split off and going out in the world, they've taken the Gospels, they've taken the Sermon on the Mount, they've cherry-picked, and they said, we're just going to do what Moses did with the law. We're going to take the story of Jesus, who we acknowledge is the truth, and we're going to go and apply it selectively the way we want to apply it. And we're going to go out to all these new genders and let them know that you are included. The Bible says that your particular sin is not included in the definition of righteousness. My particular sin is not included in the definition of righteousness. Your particular sin isn't included as an act of righteousness, but we have the authority to include your sin in the definition of righteousness. So they cherry pick, they take the word, and they are just as wrong, just as guilty, and Jesus said they were damned, and they would pay for their judgment of people in hell. And it's the same with those today who are being absorbed into the world. They are losing their status as the body of Christ. They are losing their identity. as They can keep church written above their denominational doors or whatever it is they want to do. But the fact is that every step they take, abandoning the truth and serving it, submitting to the truth to create their own truth of opinions and circumstance, 
puts them further in peril and imperils everyone who goes to them and listens to them. So Jesus said, I am the truth. I am and I declare what is. How can people who don't have the ability with their thinking to change anything about themselves, how can they decide what truth is? Jesus said in, uh, in John 8, you will know the truth. You all know it. And the truth will set you free. You are in bondage, world. We were all in bondage. And the only way that I know I'm free is because Jesus set me free. The truth has set me free. And if I cling to that truth, I walk in the light of that freedom. But if I start being informed and dictated to by the television set, if I start allowing the pressure of America's universities, if I start following the deception of our politicians, if I start letting the, 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 this, this fool who's in the White House detect, de, uh, uh, determine for me what kind of position or stand I should take in this world, then I am going to suffer the loss of the precious liberty that I have as a child of the truth. You know, there comes a time when the truth has to stand up against the darkness because truth has fallen in the street. And <clears throat> if you decide that you're gonna be a Christian and stand for the truth, you will likely pay for that stand to one degree or another. It's called persecution. Why? Because the darkness is persecuting the truth. All persecution is persecution of the truth. Submitting to the truth produces alignment with reality. The truth, therefore, is the only thing that can bring freedom. It is impossible for people to be free and reject the truth at the same time. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will make you free. Think about it. Could you be free without the truth by rejecting the truth? You couldn't be free. Knowing the truth leads to salvation. And people no longer believe that the truth exists. So we've got a problem, church. Are you listening? You shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. And yet out there every day, more and more people are joining the ranks of those who who are on Pilate's side saying, there's no truth. You see, it doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person by worldly standards. Those aren't what make a difference in terms of whether you have standing with God. It's where do you stand with regard to the truth. Jesus said, I've come into the world to be the truth. I've come to testify to the truth. If you receive the truth, you will be free. If you reject the truth, and more and more every day, we're trying to witness and win a, a, a society and a population that says there is no truth. There's only my truth and there's your truth. They can't be saved if they think that way. So you and I need to get busy and we need to begin to testify to the truth again. We need to represent the truth. Now, I'm not talking about going out and using the truth to tell them where they're all wrong. Well, you see, you're gender number 17, so you're totally not going to be able to be saved or whatever. That's not, what is the truth? What is the truth that we bring? We, we tell the world that there's such a thing as the truth. 
Think of the hope that that brings. It's hopeless if you don't believe there's any truth. Then you live subject to a world full of truths, and your truth gets to fight in competition. And let me tell you, do you really want to be the one who has your truth living around 100,000 people who have their truth and try to find happiness? You think that's not going to turn into a cat fight? Your truth running up against their truth? What happens when their truth wants to break into your house and take what you have because their truth says that you owe it to them? We have a problem, Houston. Are you listening? Pilate is the modern man. And let me bring this to a conclusion. He really is the modern man. He's, he's living without truth like a pinball in a moral vacuum. And with all of his decisions being guided by the forces of the political circumstances around him, he's ex he exists in a state of vertigo. He is constantly tumbling through life. He doesn't know from one minute to the next whether he's up or down. Have compassion and think about the people that are living outside of the truth. Every day they are being tumbled. They're being taken down. I remember as a child once, I almost drowned in a lake. I, I, was, I don't know what happened, but I was swimming in this lake. The waters were kind of dark. And then all of a sudden I became disoriented. And I didn't know up from down. And I wasn't old enough to realize, just let some air out of your mouth and follow the bubbles. So I was completely in a state of vertigo. And as I was just about to drown, an arm came down and grabbed me and pulled me the right way, pulled me up. Have some compassion. People living without the truth are in a state of vertigo. They think that up is this way and they're diving deeper. They're drowning themselves. We need to be that arm that reaches down and says, young lady, sir, there is a, oh, there is a truth. Ask them the question. If you ask them the right questions, they'll... Their own answers will bring them to the conclusion there must be a truth. We cannot believe that we are living in a world or a universe of total chaos. Look at the order and structure of things. There's ways of talking about the lack of truth or the fake truths and help people to come back to the new truth. Chris Dunn's reading a book and he told me about it and really touched my heart. He said there's a, the man that wrote the book is um, he's a Christian observer and he's looking at the world today and he's saying we can't win people to Jesus with the methods that we used 30, 40 years ago because society's changed. People are still people but the scenery has moved. And um, he said one of the things the guy mentioned in this book was people no longer believe in truth. And they're not interested. They're like Pilate. They're not the least bit interested in truth. What they, what they see themselves is, as, uh, is a pinball in a pinball machine. The paddle that moves you. Show me how I can get from where I'm at to where I want to be. That's what I'm interested in. Help me get where, what I want and help me to get to where I want to be. That is my truth. And... And therefore, when we talk with them about Jesus and he's the way, the truth, and the life, they're looking at you like a deer at the headlights, going, I have no idea what's, 
this person's talking about, but we have to talk to people and tell them there is a truth and there's a judgment and there's a freedom. I loved Antonio, the testimony about your sister, because what finally woke her up was that she looked around and began to, she could tell. Eventually, if you want to see the truth, you realize you're living, you know what a lie is. You can figure it out. She eventually realized the world she was living in was being led by lies and that she was surrounded by lies. If you can help people to understand that this is a lie and these lies are getting more vicious and more desperate, if they can wake up to that, they're, there is a thing in each person called a spirit, and it yearns to be free. It was made in the image and likeness of God. It came originally from the truth, and it will want to be free, united with the truth, if it realizes it's being deceived and lied to. Somehow, your sister got that point. And the minute she did, it didn't take much longer for her at that point to get saved. Hallelujah. So Pilate said, what is truth? But listen, David said, by contrast, I have chosen the way of the truth and faithfulness. Your ordinances I have set before me. The Lord is near to all those that call upon him, all who call upon him in truth. And finally, Jesus said, as he prayed for you and I, prepared to leave this world and leave us in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Father, sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. I close with this thought. When Jesus said sanctify them through the truth, that word sanctify, we, we, we tend to think of it as a religious term only, that it only makes sense in the context of church. But the word sanctify really means to be other than or pure objectivity rather than subject to your objective. True holiness or true sanctification is to be separated out from what you are subject to and to be put on that hilltop of perfect objectivity. I'm not subject to sin or creation. I have been made objective. That's what being sanctified is. And when Jesus prayed, Lord, sanctify them through the truth, what he was really saying was, Father, save them from their orientation and their bondage to lies and keep them free through your truth. When you walk in the truth, have you noticed when you really get up and and you're carefully walking through the day in the truth of you. Danger's all around, but it, it's like your Teflon. You have trials, someone runs into your car, hits your car. I'm not talking about you never have problems or someone's not gonna run into your car. What I'm talking about is that no matter what happens, your eyes are fixed, your joy cannot be robbed. You know who you are. You do not become unsettled, even when unsettling things Come, your flesh can rise up and be alarmed, but your soul remains balanced and firm in its place. Father, sanctify them through the truth. If ever a time where churches like ours 
needed to reaffirm their commitment to the truth. It's today because we are in a, a war against the truth. America has pulled the pin from the hand grenade. I meant that precisely when I said it. And I hope we haven't thrown the pin away. I hope we haven't. I don't know, but I hope we haven't. I believe we can help determine that outcome, the outcome, the answer to that question by getting back on the word of truth and walking in it and more than anything else, sharing it with the world around us. Bring people to the truth. Do not put up with the lies. Find a kind and a truthful way of sharing, but be the light. Amen? Amen. All right. Stand with me. Amen. Praise God. So, the Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth. We do have an advantage. <laughs> and I'm going to pray that the advantage refresh you and that you will receive the advantage, the spirit of truth in your life. And especially for those who may be listening to this message who have not received Jesus, I don't have to convince you. Nobody gets saved because someone's convinced them. We say a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, Jesus who stood before Pilate wanted to convince Pilate. He's standing before you and he wants to convince you that he loves you, that he is the truth. He is your truth. He's the only your truth that you'll ever really have. And so, Father, I pray right now for everyone who is standing in agreement, praying with me, who loves the truth, that you will help us to express that truth, to show that truth, and to be wise ambassadors of the truth to the world around us. And now, Father, I pray for anyone who does not know the truth, but the truth is knocking at the door of their heart right now, and you're ready to open up that door. Say, Lord, come in. If you're real, I open the door of my heart and I welcome you in. That's an honest, fair prayer. I'd like to pray that prayer with you right now. Almighty God, if Jesus is real, if that's who you are, I want to know you. If that is the truth that I want it, I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in. I ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and to lift me out of darkness set me free. I want to know, can I know the truth and the truth will set me free. Father, I pray for that person who's opening their heart right now and allowing the Holy Spirit to pull upon their heart and to lead them to you. I thank you because there is no demon in hell that can stop them coming to you. I put them in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen.